Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Okay, let's see. It's uh, 21 July. It's hot out there, but not as hot as a lot of the country. And, well, it's Sunday. It's time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we're in air conditioning here, but we've got folks up north that don't usually go through these heats. And uh, some of them don't have air conditioning at all. Some of them have broken air conditioning. And it's kind of miserable. So, anyway, Florida, we get used to it. The only difference is that ours goes on and on and on. It's very enervating. Whereas up north, they get the real cold all winter. We get nice winters, and then uh, they have really, really hot temperatures at times, And uh, but it's very short, and then they get back into something nice. But Florida, just there's been a couple years where, this year I thought, February it was the hottest February I remember, and I thought, if this doesn't end, we're gonna have a nine month long summer. But then it cooled down a little bit, so we were blessed. But anyway, we got, um, a couple visitors here today. The first is Robin, who came from uh, Key West, and she was up here last year, and now she's here again visiting, so we welcome you. And then we I got to look at this. I want to make sure I pronounce your name right. It's Steve Kirkhoff. Correct. Okay, got it. And he came from Hawaii. So it was some long word that I'm not going to even try to try to pronounce. But anyway, he made the effort of coming down. He's visiting some family and Newport Ritchie, and he's witnessing to a couple family members, and so we want to keep that in our prayers, and we'll hope that there's some good news there, and then he is off to Texas tomorrow. I mean, this afternoon, I believe you said you're leaving. Is that right? Or tomorrow, tomorrow morning. morning. Okay, so he's on his way out, and uh, so we thank you for making the effort of coming down here and joining us today. And we have our first category, as always, is Israel, and from the Superior Word News Service... Netanyahu is now Israel's longest-serving prime minister as of July 20th. He's been in the job for 13 years, and you got to figure a nation of 71 years old, that's a pretty healthy chunk of it. So congratulations to him, whether you like him or not. It's quite an achievement, and, uh, you know, he uh, was a little younger when he started. Now he's kind of showing the age. But I always look at the, uh, you know, if you look at the before and after photos of any president that they have, they are worn out when they're done. Now, so far, Trump doesn't seem to have changed a whole lot, you know, but, um, excuse me, ma'am, can we help you? Yeah, just in time for the update there. Come on in, Miss Garrett. That's the wife Garrett. The mother Garrett showed up just in time. Uh, let's see here. From the Jerusalem Post, Leviathan Gas Platform embarks on a 11,500-kilometer journey to Israel. The first of four giant barges transporting the Leviathan natural gas platform to Israel departed from the Gulf of Mexico ahead of its September installation approximately 10 kilometers off of Israel's coast. So all the way from the Gulf of Mexico, it's being dragged all the way over to actually four of them to Israel. Uh, five operational structures will make the transatlantic journey with the remaining barges due to set sail from Texas in the coming weeks. The structures will be installed on the top of the platform jacket by the largest offshore crane in the world. It's big. I got some photos of it for the uh, update there. It's really big. With the jacket lowered into the Mediterranean Sea in January. The installation will take about four weeks to complete. 
The top sides will house the platform's gas processing facilities, worker accommodations, work areas, helipad and platform operations facilities, including power generation, water desalinization, and wastewater treatment, which I could get a job doing that. Uh, the top sides are 102 meters long, 80 meters wide, and will stand 47 meters above the sea level. These are some really big structures. The platform flare boom permitting the safe burning of gas will stretch to 130 meters above the sea level. And once assembled, project partner Noble Energy will commence a series of commissioning tests prior to initiating commercial gas flow before the end of 2019. So they're going to have their gas being sold very quickly. And that'll be first to the Israeli market and subsequently to neighboring countries. They've done a deal with Egypt, and it's on and off again with some of the countries. But I do believe uh, Jordan will be getting some of this natural gas as well. But anyway, from Behold Israel, IAF receives two additional F-35 jets. IAF now has 16 F-35s of 50 that are promised to be delivered. Jets arrived in the southern Israel from Texas. The IAF says these new additions are further expression of the ever-strong military partnership between Israel and the United States, and great stuff there. I always like to try to highlight that because, you know, I love these jets and planes and military stuff. But anyway, from uh, Israel Today, Netanyahu's son defends Jesus' Jewishness. It's in the Bible. Now, I reported on this last week, and I got a little extra out of um, Israel Today, so I thought I'd read you the article. Prime Minister Netanyahu's son, Yair, responded fervently last week when a Fakistinian-American provocateur repeated on Twitter the silly claim that Jesus was the son of a Fakistinian. Are you that stupid, he asked. Her name is Linda Sarsour, explaining to her that on the cross above Jesus' head was the sign Enri, which is Isus Nazarenus Rex Ia Deorum, uh, which means in Latin, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, yes. In other words, the Romans who ruled the region at that time pretty clearly recorded that what was to become known as the Holy Land was home to the Jewish people. The Romans make absolutely no mention of any Fakistinians, though they did later rename the region to Palestina to taunt the Jews by referencing their biblical archenemies, the Philistines. Even more interesting in regards to his post is that he informs Sarsour that we know that these things are because they are recorded in the Bible. Now, this is the important part. I kind of touched on it last week, and they caught up on it as well. Jews don't typically consider the New Testament to be a part of the Bible. But, according to Yair, the Bible says that Jesus was born and raised in Judea. Mainstream Israeli newspapers have also taken up the fight to protect the Jewishness of Jesus in response to the maddening claim that Jesus was a Fakistinian. Numerous Hebrew language articles are being published around the country defending the fact that Jesus was in every way a Jew and even an important figure in Jewish history. This wouldn't have been out many years ago, and now it's starting to be out, as we saw what Sergio reported a while ago. These things are really taking off. What Sarsour and her ill contended for evil has been turned into blessing for the Jewish state. I think that's really interesting. From the Times of Israel, doubling down, Trump says liberal Democrats hate Israel with unbridled passion. Now, he knows they don't. The Democrats in our nation have always sided with Israel, and we've got a little faction that's growing in there, and they're not taking action against them. 
And so he's saying these, he's taking things to an extreme to get them to take action against these people and to shut them up. U.S. President Donald Trump doubled down Sunday night on his comments assailing a group of Democratic Congresswomen of color as foreign-born troublemakers, saying it was sad to see the Democrats sticking up for what people who speak so badly of our country and who, in addition, hate Israel with a true unbridled passion. Well, they do. All four of them do. There's no doubt about it. And they are making waves. They're taking away a lot of the, uh, you know, the... Uh, press from all the other members of Congress, and they don't like that, especially the ones on the left. And so Trump is trying to egg this on a little further and get them to just quiet these people down. Hopefully they'll be voted out in the next election, but we'll see what happens. From the Times of Israel, liberal U.S. Jews say Trump is weaponizing Israel to defend his racist tweets. There's probably nothing worse on the planet than a liberal Jew, I tell you. And that's, I love the Jewish people. I, everybody knows that. But how they can be liberal, it just it never ceases to astonish me. And then they say something as crazy as this. They're weaponizing. When, in fact, it's exactly the opposite, if you think about it. They are the ones that are weaponizing Israel constantly, constantly. And all he's doing is retorting back to them. So, from Christian News today, uh, I got an email from somebody named John Seismer, I think is how it's pronounced. And he sent me a question, which people do. It was from uh, Colossians chapter 2. And he asked, you know, I'd, I'd like to know about this, and I sent him an answer, and it bounced back to me. I always try to answer emails that come in to me. And so if you sent that, please send me a different from a different email so it'll go to you. For some reason, it wouldn't go to that email address. And so I did answer. I'm sorry, but if you listen to these Prophecy Updates, send me another email. I will get you an answer to that question, and I apologize about that. Second thing, uh, before we get into the Christian news, from time to time, people email me about eternal salvation. I'll say something about it in a prophecy update, or I'll say something about it during a, a Bible study or something. And I am a proponent of once saved, always saved. And there's a reason why I am, is because that's what the Bible teaches. And so yesterday, somebody emailed me, and she had a question about it, and she sent me uh, a article say, you know, what do you think about this article? And of course, everything is taken out of context. Everything they cite has nothing to do for example, like with the dispensation of grace. They're citing things from uh, Exodus. They're citing things from Deuteronomy. They're citing things Jesus said, speaking to Israel under the law. you got to keep things in context. So what I did is I took my email to her, and I modified it into a Facebook post. And so because from time to time we should have a little doctrine on the prophecy update, here we go. Is salvation eternal or can it be lost? I've got lots of these. This is just one, and, you know, I can give you lots of other defenses. This is just a short defense of this issue. The question is often asked, if someone is truly saved, can they lose this? Those who say yes haven't thought the issue through very well. Usually, a question on this matter will be accompanied by the example of a homosexual who has called on Christ and then fallen back into his old ways. I get that probably more than anything, and that was the case here. We will go with that below. But... It could be any sin or addiction leading to a supposed loss of salvation. You're a sinner, you come to Christ, you fall back in your sin, do you lose your salvation? First, a few questions. Answer now, don't answer out loud, okay? And then see how you score. No need to email me your answers, it's just for you to think through. One, does God search the hearts and minds? I'd like you guys to answer that. Does he search the hearts and minds? Yes, okay. Two, can God lie or make a false promise? Okay. Three, can God make a mistake? 
Okay, everybody's in agreement here, so we got a pretty smart group. Um, and then finally, four, which of the three of these is the worst? Homosexuality, sleeping with your father's wife, or some other sexual sin? We'll say pedophilia. Which is the worst? Everybody's saying they're all sins. There might be one or two varying from that, but that's what I mostly heard. Okay, to answer the questions, does God search the hearts and minds of men? Yes. See Jeremiah 17, 10, Romans 8, 27, Revelation 2, 23, etc. I am he who searches the hearts and minds. Good job, people. Therefore, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10 is a matter of the heart. God is searching the hearts and minds. It, 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 because people always say, what if they made a false proclamation for Christ? That's not our decision. That's not your decision. That's not my decision. That's nobody's. God searches the hearts and minds. So here's what it says. I'll go on. It is stated, and if the profession by the individual is untrue, then God knows this. This has nothing to do with the loss of salvation, but God accepting a profession of faith which is true. Okay, so somebody makes an actual profession of faith. Other than that, I don't want to get into any of these. Oh, wait, he can't be saved because. Did they make a profession and did God read it as true? That's all that this is concerned with. There it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That person made an actual profession. True or untrue, God has searched the heart. We are now going to assume that it is a true profession. Okay? The proposition is made, and it must be true if the Bible is true. Salvation is granted upon meeting this requirement if God searched their hearts and said, I agree with that. God has searched the heart and the mind, and he has made his decision. Second question, can God lie or make a false premise? You all unanimously said no. Obviously not. See Numbers 23, verse 19, for example. God cannot lie, nor can he make a false promise. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 then says exactly what occurs upon the moment that a person believes. Go back to Romans 10, 9, and 10. He's made the profession. God has searched the heart, and he says, I agree. He is a true, saved person now. The moment that happens, in Ephesians 1, 13, and 14, God does something. When a person believes in their heart, which is read by God, then in him you also trusted, this is the verses, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you are now saved, in whom having believed, that is the proposition from Romans 10, 9, and 10, you believed, you were saved. He read the heart. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The moment a person believes, they are sealed, not with a marker, but with the Holy Spirit. God himself attests to the salvation. And it says that God has done this with a guarantee until the redemption of the purchased possession. The word in Hebrew is ervon. In Greek, it is aravon. It's a very rare thing to have a word go from the Hebrew to the Greek. It is mentioned three times in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 38, go read it. The, the pledge there in that chapter is pointing to the pledge of the Holy Spirit, which is mentioned three times in this same way in the New Testament by Paul. The guarantee, the pledge, the deposit. Okay? Ervon, aravon. Okay, it's the same word. It's very rare, and God is making a picture. If you don't understand the picture, go watch the Genesis 38 sermon that we did about Judah and Tamar. Everybody has these sermons that have nothing to do with what it is portraying. It is portraying a 
eternal salvation for a believer. But we'll go on. So you have the word, erovom. This is an earnest deposit, and it is to the praise of his glory, not ours. God cannot lie. We are his, and it is for his glory. Everybody got that? Third question. Can God make a mistake? Everybody said no. Obviously not. God is the creator of time, space, and matter. Thus, he is outside of time, and he knows the end from the beginning. Go see Isaiah 46.10 if you don't know that. But if Ephesians 1.13 and 14 is true, and yet one can lose his salvation, then God, in fact, made a mistake, and God cannot make a mistake. Therefore, to take away one's salvation means that God has falsely represented himself, and he is also fallible. Further, Paul explains in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. If we can lose our salvation at any point after being saved, then that means our salvation is up to us and it is not up to God. Let me say that again. If at any point after being saved, we can lose our salvation, that means our salvation was up to us all along. It was never up to God because we have to maintain it. Everybody see that? It was never of grace and it was and continues to be of works. We must maintain it or we lose it. So much for grace. Finally, if you answered either homosexuality, sleeping with your father's wife, or maybe some other sin, or maybe you say all are equally bad or whatever, the Bible makes no distinction. Sexual immorality is sexual immorality. However, Paul does say this in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1. It is actually reported because people always put homosexuality way up here, right? It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality is as not even named among the Gentiles. That a man has his father's wife. That's why I included that as the second option. Paul says that what this man is doing is not even named among the Gentiles. Homosexuality was rampant among the people in Corinth. But Paul infers that this is a true abomination. So he's saying that if anything is worse, it would be this sexual sin. But all sexual sin is the same. It's all sin. Okay? But so much for homosexuality being raised up to some extra high standard. He says this one is a true abomination. Guess what he then says in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians chapter 5? Deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. He's rather clear. This is a willful sin, and yet Paul says he is saved. He is to be handed over to Satan in this life for whatever happens. AIDS, getting shot by a jealous lover, whatever. But his spirit will, in fact, be saved. It is in this life that the torments for believers who fail to live up to their salvation come, not the next. The next is a judgment for believers who are saved and who are sealed for reward or for loss, not condemnation. Go to 1 Corinthians 3 verses 9 through 15 for that one. Finally, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for those who are in Christ, see above, go back and read what I've already said. They believe, they are saved, and they are sealed. 
that we are not imputed our trespasses. As the ISV says, God is not counting their sins against them. That's 2 Corinthians 5.19. If we are not being imputed sin, and the wages of sin is death, meaning the spiritual disconnect from God, then we can no longer be spiritually disconnected from God. Salvation is eternal. Rejoice in that and keep things in context. If you're going to send me an email, make sure you have the verse in context, because if not, I'm going to tell you where you're wrong. Or you can just go to my New Testament commentary that I've written and go to the verse yourself and check it out. All right? Keep it in context. In fact, if you post below, which is on this Facebook post, please note that Scripture Tennis does not solve anything. So if you're going to cite a verse, it needs to be in context. To understand proper theology, I suggest that you join us each week at the Superior Word in our Thursday night Bible studies or later on YouTube where they are posted because doctrine matters. The loss of salvation teaching is not just bad doctrine. It calls into question the truth of God in Christ. If those who teach this can't get this right, and there are other prophecy update teachers out there that hold to this doctrine, if they can't get that right, this simple precept, then are you going to trust them in other matters of theological importance? No, don't trust them. Doctrine matters. Hold fast to God's word. Salvation is eternal. Our Christian news today from Fox. Armed pastor holds Tampa church burglary subject at gunpoint until police arrived. I like this guy. A burglary suspect picked the wrong church to break into. The suspect is in custody after police said he broke into the Seminole Heights Baptist Church. Grant Adams, the lead pastor at the church, I'll try to remember to send him a copy of the uh, Prophecy Update and say, hey, we like you here. Uh, he's the lead pastor at the church, told Fox 13 that he personally held the suspect, later identified as Miguel Otero Rivera, at gunpoint until the police responded minutes later, shortly before 1 a.m. Thursday, Riviera entered the church by smashing a window with a brick before rifling through the several church offices. Police said church leaders believed the suspect was looking for cash. The broken glass set off the alarm system. Pastor Adams, along with the church deacon, Jack Young, were immediately notified. Adams says he lives near the church. Adams, armed with a gun, said he found Riviera in the church. And police said that the suspect was holding a laptop computer owned by the church. Adams ordered him onto the ground, holding him there until the police arrived. Good job. From Summit News, Christian doctor fired from government job after refusing to refer to six-foot bearded man as madam. Yes, now think of this. The worst of your society wins out over the best of your society. This guy's a medical doctor, and they get rid of him because he won't call a six-foot bearded guy madam. But there's even worse about this. Here we go. 56-year-old Dr. David Macharet was working as a disability benefits assessor for the Department of Work and Pensions. The father of four alleges he was asked in a conversation with a line manager. If you had a man six foot tall with a beard who says he wants to be addressed as she and miss, would you do that? His contract was immediately terminated over his refusal to use transgender pronouns, with Macaret arguing that the transgenderism is a delusional belief and an ideology. It didn't even actually happen. They just asked, what would you do? And he says, no, I'm not going to do that. And they fired him, right? Which uh, he says, uh, it's a delusional belief and ideology, which I disbelieve and detest. Macarith, who describes himself as an unashamed Christian, here's why it happened. 
and has 30 years medical experience, was previously warned that he was overwhelmingly likely to lose his job unless he agreed with describing biological men as women. He is now suing the government, which I hope he wins, but he probably won't over in the UK, on the grounds that he was discriminated against on the basis of his religious beliefs, arguing that gender fluidity is no more than one's own fantasy about oneself. The very fact that a doctor can be pulled off the shop floor for an urgent interrogation about his beliefs on gender fluidity is both absurd and very sinister, even more so if it results in dismissal, said Mahore. He, they just pulled him off the line, said, would you do this? No, you're fired. This is what's happening in Christian circles in the world today, in a once Christian nation, right? Mail online. Female pastor to receive $500,000 payout. This made Facebook, so pretty much everybody heard about it, but just in case you didn't. Female pastor to receive $500,000 payout after being ousted over harassment claims for taking members of the church to an adult store and buying one a $200 bunny-shaped sex toy during a religious conference. She's at a religious conference. She goes to a pervert palace and buys something for somebody, and they said, we're not going to tolerate this, and they fire her. Reverend Dr. Amy Butler, there's your problem right there, was removed from her position. At, she never should have been in the position. The Bible doesn't allow it. At Riverside Church, she was ousted over claims she visited an adult store with church members. The visit allegedly happened during a religious conference trip in Minneapolis, but she will receive at least half a million dollars parting payout from the church. That shows you the corrupt nature of the church right there, much less anything else. But anyway, I got a um, email from somebody. Her name is Helena. Okay. This is concerning the online church. Last week I mentioned online church and I talked about it and the article, why some people attend online. And I liked her email to me and she said I could use it. So I want to read what she said. Um, this is from Helena. With so many churches being apostate with liberal leftist policies supporting, and I like what she does here, LGBTQ, LMNOP, vilifying <laughs> Israel and the Jews, not speaking about evils of the illegal invasion of the West by third world and Islam, not speaking about, it's like she's been watching our prophecy updates, not speaking about revelation and just plain twisting the Bible. There are some of the reasons people go online to online churches. We live in modern times. The internet keeps Christians, conservatives informed until IT controllers shut everything down. And so I thought that was an appropriate uh, email from her and I asked permission. She said, yes, that is why she attends online and other people do as well. It's because you're not getting fed in some churches around the world. I'm very grateful that we have this church and maybe someday we'll get shut down. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, um, on the same talk about the uh, the online churches. You didn't see this, but I posted, I always post photos on the Prophecy Updates. And what I did is I posted photos that people had sent me of them watching the Prophecy Update, okay? And some of them had their dogs or cats or whatever watching the Prophecy Update. And all I did was put cats on. I put one at the beginning, I think one in the middle and one at the end. And there's cats that are sitting there riveted watching me. And you all know I don't like cats. And so here is what Adrian asked me. You don't like kitty cats. Did you notice how many of them watch you devotedly online? My answer to her was, they creep me out. They come when you don't want them to. When reading a book, they step right on the book. And when you want them to come, they don't. In fact, they mock you. They're creepy animals. They only watch me so they can learn how to perturb me more. And then she laughed about that. So that's online church in a nutshell. I have people that send me pictures of their 
Uh, one guy sent me a picture of his lizard. No kidding, watching the Prophecy Update. Okay, so there's all kinds of people in the world, and they got all kinds of pets, and they seem to like this beard, I guess. I don't know what it is. Anyway, um, from Islam today. From Zero Hedge, social engineering. Top British soap opera features storyline about man converting to Islam to find peace. Yes, imagine that. Taxpayer-funded BBC. Imagine them doing this about Christianity nowadays. In the past they would have, but that's all done. Taxpayer-funded BBC has inserted a storyline into its most popular soap opera about a man who, after leaving prison, converts to Islam to find peace. He'll find P-I-E-C-E. -E. That's what he'll find. EastEnders' Bobby Beale will explore the Islamic faith as he adapts to life on the outside after being jailed for murdering his sister. And the soap is working closely with Muslim Youth Helpline to portray the positive impact of religion on the troubled teenager. In the storyline, Beale was imprisoned for killing his sister but starts to make peace with his violent past after being given a copy of the Quran by a Muslim friend. Zora Kaku, director of the Muslim Youth Helpline, said the plot was an opportunity to portray Islam as a positive influence. EastEnders is one of the most popular TV shows in the United Kingdom, attracting an average viewership of over 6 million people multiple times every week. In reality, the situation is diametrically opposed to that depicted in the storyline. This is reality. Islamic radicalization in British prisons is a huge problem, with many leaving jail as extremists having been groomed by hate preachers. A report by The Independent last year described how British prisons become a breeding ground for Islamic extremism. So the truth is being reported, but it's not being reported on BBC, that's for sure. Jerusalem Post. Fakistinian authority doubles pay for slay salary to murderer of three Israeli teenagers. The Fakistin, this is why we don't send them that money, is because they do this type of stuff. The FA doubled the monthly payment being made to the terrorist mastermind behind the 2014 kidnapping and murder of three Israeli teenagers. Five years after the arrest of Hussam al Kawasami, he will be receiving. NIS, that shekels 4000 instead of NIS 2000 a month. They doubled his salary. A prisoner's monthly salary increases with prison time served. So far, Al Kawasami has received approximately 98000 since he was arrested. That's probably about forty dollars or $50,000. Uh, the Fakistinian Authority also pays monthly allowances to families of two dead terrorists who were likewise involved in the kidnapping and murder of the three boys. They were charged in an exchange of fire with Israeli security forces when they resisted arrest. Since they were married and had children, their families receive NIS 2000 per month and NIS 2400 per month, respectively. So they're still paying these people and they get raises. They don't just, you know, get paid. They get raises as they move along in the terror highway. From Ynet. This is from 7:10, the 10th of the month. EU, Israel, Egypt express unease about Turkey's gas drilling off Cyprus. The foreign ministry said Turkey's faith ship had started drilling to the west of the Mediterranean island at the start of May, and its Yavuz ship had recently arrived east of Cyprus and would also carry out drilling. Cyprus says Turkey's actions are contrary to international law, which they are, I checked, Turkey and the internationally recognized government of the divided island have overlapping claims in that part of the Mediterranean, an area thought to be rich in natural gas. Now, I held on to that article to see where it would go. 
And then it's been progressing since then. From Al Arabiya, again on the 10th, U.S. urges Turkey to halt drilling operations off Cyprus coast. Turkey vowed to keep on drilling activities with Cyprus despite tensions with the European Union and Greece, which has called on Ankara to cease its illegal action. And then from Al Arabiya, the next day, the 11th, EU signals sanctions on Turkey over Cyprus drilling. So the EU is saying, we're going to sanction Turkey over this. Well, if they can do that against Turkey, why can't they do that against Iran, who is violating a treaty that they signed? But they're not willing to do that. From Al Arabiya, this past week, EU slams sanctions on Turkey over its illegal gas drilling off Cyprus. EU foreign ministers have approved initial sanctions against Turkey over its drilling for gas and waters where the EU member Cyprus has exclusive economic rights. The minister said in a statement that in light of Turkey's continued and new illegal drilling activities, they were suspending talks on an air transport agreement and would call on the European Union Investment Bank to review its lending to the country. The EU also cut 145.8 million euros in pre-accession financial funds allocated for 2020. They also warned that the EU's executive branch was working on additional targeted measures to penalize Turkey, which started negotiations to join the EU in 2005. That is not going to happen. They're going to continue being stubborn. They're going to continue to go more towards Russia. It is all unfolding right before our eyes. But this is just one little part of that puzzle. From Zero Hedge, Turkey rejects EU sanctions as not serious. We'll send a fourth drilling ship near Cyprus. You can tell there's a lot of animosity now, and this guy is not backing down. He is going to either ruin his country or he's going to start getting financing from Russia. Guess which one's going to happen? Maybe both, one and then the other. Anyway, from Mongolia this week, from Xinhua. Mongolia's first Chinese-built highway opens to traffic. Woo! It's a major step towards the goal of Mongolia to expand transport and logistics networks to promote growth. The two-way six-lane highway has a total length of 32.2 kilometers and a design speed of 80 kilometers on the highway. 80 kilometers is like 58 miles an hour, so it's not really fast. I'm confident that I couldn't drive on that highway. I'm sorry, I'd have to... Yeah. I'm confident that the highway which links Ulaanbaatar city and a new airport will give a greater impulse to boost Mongolia's tourism sector, the prime minister said, expressing his appreciation to the Chinese side for the strong support and assistance to Mongolia's development. The project, with a total investment of over 140 million U.S. dollars, started construction in 2016. And the reason why I brought that up this week is because last week I mentioned the new airport. Well, this connects the new airport to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and it is a present from the Chinese. Daniel 12 Technology. Only one article this week. It's a little long, but it's rather cool. And it came from vice.com. It's not the kind of publication I would read, but my friend Brian, who also said the same thing, I don't normally read vice.com, but he sent it, and I thank Brian for that. AI trained on old scientific papers makes discoveries. They take old scientific papers that people have submitted, people have been using those ideas and inventing things, and they fed it into an AI machine, and the AI machine has actually made discoveries. It's very cool. Humans missed using just the language in millions of old scientific papers. A machine learning algorithm was able to make completely new scientific discoveries. Researchers from the Lawrence Berkeley National Lab used an algorithm called Word2Vec to sift through scientific papers for connections humans had missed. 
The algorithm then spit out predictions for possible thermoelectric materials, which convert heat to energy and are used in many heating and cooling applications. The algorithm didn't know the definition of thermoelectric. They just fed in information without telling it what to look for. It received no training in materials science using only word associations. The algorithm was able to provide candidates for future thermoelectric materials, some of which may be better than those we currently use. It can read any paper on material science, so it can make connections that no scientists could. Sometimes it does what a researcher would do. Other times it makes these cross-discipline associations. To train the algorithm, the researchers assessed the language in 3.3 million abstracts related to material science, ending up with a vocabulary of about 500,000 words. They fed the abstracts to Word2Vec, which used machine learning to analyze relationships between these words. Using just the words found in scientific abstracts, the algorithm was able to understand concepts such as the periodic table and the chemical structure of molecules. That's the basic building blocks of everything that we use here, right? The algorithm linked words that were found close together, creating vectors of related words that help define concepts. In some cases, words were linked to thermoelectric concepts, but had never been written about thermoelectric in any abstract they surveyed. This gap in knowledge is hard to catch with the human eye, but easy for an algorithm to spot. After showing its capacity to predict future materials, and here's where it gets interesting to me, researchers took their work back in time virtually. They scrapped recent data and tested the algorithm on old papers, seeing if it could predict scientific discoveries before they happened. Once again, the algorithm worked. In one experiment, researchers analyzed only papers published before 2009 and were able to predict one of the best modern-day thermoelectric materials four years before it was discovered in 2012. So if they had this back in 2009, they would have developed this new material in 2009 instead of four years later. That is rather amazing that they, and now what they're talking about in the rest of the article is that you can apply this to medicine. You can apply it to, you know, making Charlie handsome or whatever. You can take all of these things and just put in information without any possibility of this thing even knowing what it's talking about and it can develop things that we can use and maybe better than we can develop them ourselves. That is rather interesting. Yes, how about applying it to the Bible? Now, we do have certain things that we can apply to the Bible in that way. I'm not a big fan of Bible codes. Please don't email me on that statement. I just want you to know. But there are certain things like Sergio has been able to, through doing a, um, uh, what do you call it, an acrostic search on the Bible, he can identify acrostics that are in there. And acrostics are not something that you just fudge. They are clear text. There's nothing deceitful in an acrostic. It's just clear text. And where are they? And we've had some marvelous, marvelous finds, especially it was in the Esther sermons. There were some really marvelous things that come out. But from time to time, when he has time, he'll run one for me for a sermon. And we got a couple coming up in a couple sermons ahead where he found some rather interesting acrostics. And eventually he will be able to develop a much deeper, he doesn't have time right now, much deeper acrostic search, which can actually form the sentences instead of him spending the laborious time of doing that after they're found. Anyway, we'll go on. Good point. Revelation plagues, I call this beasts of the earth from BBC. Australian seagulls carry antibiotic resistant superbugs. If they do, I guarantee you they do everywhere. Okay, they've just 
researched in Australia. Seagulls all over Australia are carrying superbugs resistant to antibiotics, scientists say. They found more than 20% of silver gulls nationwide carrying bacteria such as E. coli, which can cause urinary tract and blood infections and sepsis. The research has raised fears that the antibiotic-resistant bacteria, similar to superbugs, which have hit hospitals, could infect humans and other animals. Talk about the beasts of the earth causing all the plagues. Here's one of them right there, those cute little seagulls that I feed every morning off my dock. One of these days are going to get me, right? Scientists have described it as a wake-up call. The birds are believed to have contracted the bugs from scavenging and rubbish and sewage. The study showed some bugs found in the feces were resistant to common antibiotic medications such as cephalosporum and fluoroquinolone. One sample showed resistance to carbapenem, which is a last resort drug used for severe and high-risk infections. So it's out there. And like I said, the reason why I feed seagulls every morning is because every morning for the past 10 or 12 years, I go out and I take a sunrise photo for people online because they live in crummy places and we live in a nice place. And when I do, it's nice to have birds in the photo. And so I throw out bread and then I get birds in the photo. Did anybody see this morning's photo? Full of birds. There were crows all over. There was a seagull swooping in. There's ibis all along the dock. A lot of birds in that photo. Yeah, anyway, what's that? Yeah, they're on welfare. They're bird welfare there. Okay, so here we go. The next one from Fox. This is not so much a revelation plague yet, but it may be. And the people that watch online, the photos that I will include in this will show what may be in the future. You won't see it, but you can imagine. Tennessee police warn not to flush drugs down the toilet for fear of creating meth gators. Word to the wise, yes, don't flush your meth down the toilet. That's the warning coming out of the Loretta Police Department in Tennessee after investigators said they caught someone attempting to flush methamphetamine along with several other items of paraphernalia. The department advised against disposing of drugs, including pills, via the sewage because when you send something down the sewer pipe, and I've talked about this many times in the past because that was my job for 20-some years, it ends up in our retention ponds for processing before it is sent downstream. Our sewer guys take great pride in releasing water that is cleaner than what is in the creek, but they are not really prepared for meth. <laughs> Authorities said that the waterfowl, including geese and ducks, end up in that water, and they shudder to think what one all hyped up on meth would do. Think of a geese that's all hyped up on meth, and they already attack you and bite you where it hurts, right? We don't want that. But in addition, the birds officials said that if the water headed far enough downstream, it would create meth gators. Yes, in Shoal Creek and the Tennessee River down in North Alabama. They've had enough methed up animals in the past few weeks without our help. So if you dispose of your drugs, just give us a call and we will make sure they are disposed of in the proper way. We don't want meth gators, folks, okay? Morality today. DC Dirty Laundry says, American Psychological Association to Promote Adultery, Swinging, and Orgies. This is the American Psychological Association is now promoting these things. You talk about a spiral down the tube. There it is. What they need to do is go have themselves psychologically analyzed. From the Christian Post, court rules Trump admin can stop abortion providers from taking family planning funds. Thank goodness. But listen to this. Listen to who it is. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit has again affirmed that the Trump admin rule barring abortion providers from receiving family planning funds under Title 10 can take effect. The Ninth Circuit. 
the most liberal bunch in the universe has sided with him. And in order, the Ninth Circuit voted seven to four to reaffirm a three-judge panel decision lifting injunctions that blocked the new rule from being enforced. Until further order of the court, no further briefing is required of the parties for the Unbank Court's reconsideration of the three-judge panel order. The briefing scheduled established for the merits appeal shall remain as originally ordered, stated the order. Planned Parenthood took to their Twitter account to denounce the order, calling it devastating, good, and claiming that it will harm women's health. No, it'll save babies. That's the only thing it'll do. National Right to Life President Carol Tobias celebrated the order, saying in a statement released that she was grateful to President Trump for his continued leadership in protecting the most vulnerable among us. Imagine that. I, I never would have thought I would have read that, but there it is. LifeSite. Unplanned. Remember the movie that came out here in America a long time ago? And they were going to go up to Canada, and Canada says, we ain't taking that. Guess what? They finally took it. Unplanned smashes Canadian box office expectations on opening weekend. The controversial, so-called controversial, pro-life movie Unplanned smashed box office expectations with a phenomenally strong opening weekend in more than 50 Canadian theaters. The film brought in 352,510 Canadian dollars at 49 theaters that reported revenues. For that number of theaters, they said that is outstanding. Good job. Good news this week for morality. Except the American Psychological or Crazy Association. Anyway, from our other category, before I uh, get into that, I'd like to tell you that at the end of the Prophecy Update, there will be a Sergio and Rhoda video. As I always link them, I put it up there. All you need to do is just go over and click on it, okay? This time it is in the Red Canyon in Israel. I don't know of another film that has been filmed in this canyon, and it is beautiful. For those who were here and saw it, did you like it? Yes. Outstanding. So please watch that. It'll be linked at the end of the video. Okay, from Mail Online. The black woman who will be the next 007. New James Bond film will feature British actress Lashana Lynch taking over the famous code name. In a popcorn-dropping moment, the actress is handed Bond's number. She'll be the new 007. Bond girls have been renamed as Bond women in the new movie. The new Bond movie pays tribute to the past 007 films. Since Daniel Craig announced he was standing down as James Bond, debate has raged whether the next 007 should be a woman or a black. Problem solved. Now, the mail on Sunday can reveal that she will be both thanks to the intervention of feminist TV writer Phoebe Waller-Bridge, okay? So, here's something that I'd like to say about the new James Bond movie that's coming out. I will never watch it. I w and that has nothing to do with racism. It has nothing to do with sexism. It's because 007 was written by Ian Fleming, and he was intended to be a male character. That's what it was written. If you want to have a, a 0012 or a 012 or something, call her that. She can be that. That's fine. My question is, if anybody disagrees with my logic on that, when are we going to have the first white female shaft? And when we do, then we can say all things are paired up and even. Okay, it'll never happen. That would be the end of the movie industry if they had a white female shaft. It's not going to happen, so why should we do this? doesn't make any sense. It'll okay. be a flop. It'll be a flop. Anyway, news.com AU says, Russia's terrifying new superweapon revealed. The commander-in-chief of Russia's Air Force, Viktor Bondarov, has told a gathering at the Max International Air Show 
His aircraft would soon be getting cruise missiles with AI capable of analyzing its environment and opponents make decisions about altitude, speed course, and targets. While not indicated which missiles were slated to get such enhanced AI, there are two apparent contenders among the superweapons. President Putin bragged about last year. The Avant-Garde, which is a hypersonic glide vehicle, which I mentioned, and the, I can't pronounce it, nuclear-powered cruise missile. They're going to give AI to a nuclear-powered cruise missile, possibly. Much modern weaponry is already capable of making choices, such as the automated Gatling guns designed to react and shoot down incoming missiles in the blink of an eye. These choices, however, are generally minimal. Mr. Obnosov told TASS that Russia had observed U.S. cruise missiles that were used against targets in Syria, demonstrating the ability to redirect themselves after realizing their original objective had already been destroyed. But being able to identify and sort through targets of opportunity takes mechanical decision-making to a whole new level. It also opens up an ethical can of worms. Artificial intelligence has one major flaw. It is not terribly smart. It can be incredibly fast and efficient at following and applying a set of learned rules, but it has almost no ability to adapt to unexpected situations, which is why removing humans from the decision-making loop remains a contentious issue. I would say it is a crazy issue. It's like watching Terminator, right? That's exactly where we're heading with that one. From the uh, Western Journal, Republican senators team up to give victims of sanctuary cities chance to seek damages. Now, this will never get passed with the left uh, House of uh, Congress, that's right, but we have um, at least this being submitted. A group of Republican senators introduced legislation that will make sanctuary jurisdictions subject to civil lawsuits by the victims of crimes perpetrated by illegal immigrants in the United States. That is a great law. It should be law. According to a news release, the legislation holds sanctuary jurisdictions accountable for failing to comply with lawful detainer and release notification requests made by federal authorities. The House, every one of them, even the Democrats, should vote overwhelmingly for that, but it will be disapproved until we get a Republican House in another year and a half. But until then, we're stuck with these people over there. From Zero Hedge, bombshell claim. Scientists find man-made climate change doesn't exist in practice. A new scientific study could bust wide open, deeply flawed fundamental assumptions underlying controversial climate legislation and initiatives such as the Green New Deal. Namely, the degree to which climate change is driven by natural phenomena versus man-made issues measured as carbon footprint. Scientists in Finland, Finland of all places, found practically no anthropogenic, meaning man-made, climate change after a series of studies. None. During the last 100 years, the temperature increased about 0.1 degrees Celsius because of carbon dioxide. The human contribution was 0.01 Celsius. The Finnish researchers bluntly stayed in one among a series of papers. This has been collaborated by a team at Kobe University in Japan, which has furthered the Finnish researchers' theory. New evidence suggests that high-energy particles from space, known as galactic cosmic rays, affect the Earth's climate by increasing cloud cover, causing an umbrella effect. The just-published study has found, a summary of which has been released in the journal Science Daily. The findings are hugely significant, giving this umbrella effect an entirely natural occurrence. 
could be the prime driver of climate warming and not man-made factors. Well, duh, we've been saying that consistently since we started this proxy update because it's obviously not true. We have this much effect on the climate of this planet. One volcano that goes off will put out more of that junk than we will in a billion years. From CNN, China's economic growth slumps to the lowest in 27 years as the trade war hits. From the Washington Examiner, companies are fleeing China to escape Trump's trade war. China is going to face some troubles and they may become angry about it and there may be a war. We'll see where it goes, but it doesn't matter. He's doing the right thing. The previous four presidents have said they deal with China and they all stepped back from doing it. Got a couple of less ricks here for you. I have enough room for both. Be safe with your drugs, police say. Don't cause crazy beasts up our way. Please drop them off here. We will take them with cheer and know who to arrest the next day. <laughs> and then the other one says, some will say you're completely insane if you dump all your drugs down the drain. Yet some say, namely cops, don't make sewer meth drops, stay off drugs, don't grow pot, but a brain. Yeah. All right, from uh, our irony of the week, and we'll be done, this is called Busted. Mail online, breaking news. Breaking news. Now, I'm not going to say the word because I'm not going to do that, but a loud something, breaking news, loud something gives away a suspect's hiding place and the police arrest him. Yes. And if the noise didn't give it away, the odor would have very quickly. And then from Mail Online, nine-year-old girl's very well-drawn sketch of a red pickup truck covered in dents helps cops track down a porch pirate who has been swiping packages from her neighborhood. And it's a great drawing. It looks like, you know, those little kid drawings? That's what it was. But they identified him from her drawing. Great stuff there. So busted. Such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update of the Week.